Hello and welcome to Unlock Your Vitality with Magali on a Journey. I'm your host, Magali Matthew. Here we cover all things vitality, that is living full of energy. From gut health to spirituality, nutrition to movement, we peel back the layers and unlock ways to heal and feel our best selves, one conscious habit at a time. Stick around, let's dive on in. I'm so excited you're here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the show. I'm so excited today to have an extra special episode. We've got two guests on. This is something new that we're trying. And so we have Menon and Via. I will let them introduce themselves, go through their story, and then we're mainly going to be talking today about career transition, solo entrepreneurship, what that all means. Thank you both so much for being here. I'm so excited to record this. Yeah, thanks, Magali, for having us. Yay. I love it. You're in sync already. (laughs) Um, Cool. So maybe let's start with Manon. Tell us about, tell us who you are, your story. Before actually you do, so the three of us were in a master's together, uh, a master's of social entrepreneurship at HALT in San Francisco. It was like 2015 to 2016. So that's where we uh, originally met. And what has brought us back together, other than being friends, is that we have found ourselves each starting new adventures, businesses, and career transitions at around a similar time. And so we've been doing these sometimes weekly, sometimes biweekly calls. We've called it our little girls huddle. Um, and they've been really, really helpful. And so we're going to obviously bring this up to you guys, talk about it, share with us our learnings. But this is where we thought it could be really beautiful to have these conversations um, and share what we've been doing on a weekly basis together. So without further ado, Menon, tell us your story. Yeah, thanks, Magali. So happy to be here. So excited. I love your podcast and I'm quite Happy that we can share our little endeavor and story together. Uh, so I'm Manon. I'm uh, born and raised on a Creole French island, which is called Réunion Island. Um, it's uh, next to Mauritius in the Indian Ocean. And I'd like to explain a bit more about it because I feel like this place shaped me in many ways. It's like a very multicultural island with um, beautiful landscape and a very unique uh, culinary heritage. So it mixes like Indian, Indian culture, European, African, and uh, Chinese. And so I think in some ways, this place made me just very curious about the world and human beings in general. So being right there after once i was 18 years old i just left my island and i went to business school in montreal and got passionate about you know saving the world and um social businesses and so once i graduated from um this business school in montreal i moved to india and i worked for a microfinance um, association which was um, locally based in new delhi And that experience as well was probably one of the most beautiful human experience I've ever had and pushed me to continue to work in developing countries. And that's why I ended up eventually in San Francisco with you two guys uh, doing our Master of Social Entrepreneurship. 
That was also a very transformative year um, and very rich in so many ways. And so through that program, uh, I started with one of our colleagues who is from Uganda, a food franchise uh, business in Uganda, in Kampala, where I lived for uh, almost four years. I also met my future husband there and some of my best friends. So that place is very special in my heart. And I think um, in Uganda, I started to have some roots of that new path I'm on now, which is path of food. And now I'm a trained chef. So now I'm a private chef with Mona Liliana. And um, yeah, what I'm very passionate about is just to create unique experience for people, like to connect with each other, to connect with their environment and where um, their food comes from and eventually, you know, to find some common ground uh, with strangers that maybe you have nothing uh, in common at the first approach. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. It's so good for just paints such a good picture for people to hear really. Um, also, you said the roots started in Uganda, but from what you've explained, they really started also, as you're saying, with the Reunion Island, right? Mm -hmm. With that that having such a mix of culture and culinary differences and varieties yeah. that you're able to include today. For sure. Love it. Thank you. Via, how about you? Tell us a little bit your background and your story. Yes. Uh, it's nice to hear Manon's story and to hear you say it. It feels like we know each other for so long, like three of us from school. And it's like, wow, it's, it's what a journey we're all together. <laughs> a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in China, and I moved to San Francisco in 2015 to attend a master program called Social Entrepreneurship with all of you. And after that, I began my career as a startup consultant in accounting and operation, and I helped like founding team to uh, to build a solid and flexible financial and operation foundations. And since then, I've been working in startup and tech for six years until I moved to Canada. And uh, three years ago, I think um, during the process, I realized uh, my previous job is all about detect a problem, but I really want to like solve the problem or understand the problem, solve the problem to uh, solve, uh, create the solution. So that's when I realized I might be having this designer mindset. And since I moved to Canada, I have uh, taken the opportunity to explore and start side projects, um, and through which I found my uh, love and obsession about design. And now I help small team to find a market fit for their product and services. Uh, and on the side, I'm also trying to be an entrepreneur, running my passion project with skirts. I love it. I agree with you. It's so good to hear both of your stories and your journeys. Also, I feel like all the work we've been doing in our girls huddle is really paying off, like <laughs> to be able to be such a good storyteller and like painting a picture of from where we've gone to where we are now. So I love that. Um, Via, talk to us a bit more about the drive that made you make the jump from accounting, working in these um, tech startups into design, but also you mentioned your um, company making these beautiful skirts called Unseam. Um, yeah. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So I think for me, 
It's a little bit complicated. I mean, it's because there's like reality constraints and there's a emotional constraints. And for me, the reality is uh, my after graduation, my parents really want me to go back home. So they decided to uh, cut me off. And I hold a degree in accounting, like bachelor degree in accounting. And when they made the decision, I immediately want to jump into uh, something can provide me stability and provide me some path I can hold on to. I found I was able to, like, at the same time, we were all international students, so kind of our visa is tied to, uh, like, the job. So I was able to find an opportunity that pays me well and support my uh, visa. Um, I think that's allowed me to jumpstart a career that I even for survival reason I think that's yeah I started this job for survival reason and I think things got a little bit complicated when I was a little bit financially comfortable and that's allowed me to um to think a little bit more outside of survival like what do I want what do what drives me uh to like, grow as a person, I start to more explore uh, outside of the uh, my normal job, and that's when I realize uh, I want to do something creative. I want to do something on my own, and I want to kind of solve a problem and come up with a solution. And um, yeah, and there's like started with a personal problem. I was when I moved to Montreal. I uh, was really struggling biking with my skirt in summer. So I think that time I already forced myself to notice the uh, problem in everyday life. So when I start noticing this problem, I just kind of want to jump on it and see what can I create from it. I wouldn't say it's a huge leap of faith. It's like a seed merged from the soil is okay this is something i want to explore and that's and after rounds of exploration i decided to make a jump because um you feel the difference yourself like what's how do you feel when you're trying to do a job versus how do you feel when you truly love and want to do something yeah yeah. I mean, I love that. There's so many things in there. You said, um, obviously, uh, for people who don't know, the skirts also have shorts under. That's why um, you added that right element of feeling more comfortable biking with a skirt on. Um, and, you know, it was a huge step for people to be able to buy a product that first was like in your head. And then because you had that problem and then you went out ahead and designed it and then made a Kickstarter for it and created it. And Menel and I both wear our unseen skirts. Um, so yeah, that's, and I loved also that you talked about the reality um, of needing a job, right? And the reality of at first needing a financial stability, which is something that obviously is very um, real and that we are living in this material world. As a, and as much as just doing our passions and our living our purpose uh, is great without having the money behind it, um, it can feel, yeah, like a strain and unachievable. So it's great to see that you started that whilst having that job as a side projects and then little by little moving fully into being the designer that you are today. <laughs> Love it. 
So Manon, you, it's obviously the drive, a huge part of it has always been in you and entrepreneurship has been a big part of you. Traveling and like challenging yourself has been a big part um, of who you are. Let's talk about this last transition though, because it was also a big drive from, there's an element of like, I know after, in between um, Uganda and the US, you uh, stayed in France for a little bit, explored having a different type of job, also looking at the realities of life before going and jumping into um, this big drive. Tell us about that and, and how the transition was for you. Yeah, I love that question. I love like what makes you jump. I feel like it's something I've been very inspired by jumping, right? I, I met my future husband jumping in pools fully with our clothes and I was paragliding <laughs> when I was 13 years old. You know, it's like something that I'm very inspired to, but also I felt like at time, at least before I was jumping in all directions and it was not always for the best. Uh, but speaking about that transition and I, I'm glad you mentioned it because I feel it was a very powerful moment after Uganda to be back home in France, facing a bit all my demons, uh, during the pandemic, which is a special time that we all been through. And I'm kind of this typical story, right? Uh, during the pandemic, I was working on my computer, uh, most of the day and, you know, um, I will take, I had a customer success manager role uh, in Paris in a startup and I was working from Provence in a beautiful village, but quite isolated. Um, and so I will take like an hour and a half break for lunch, as French do, uh, just cooking um, for, for me or for the two of us or from some family was visiting for them too. And that's what gave me joy. Um, and I think that couple with the fact that I worked a lot on myself uh, through therapy really helped me to understood that I kind of had two choices. I could continue to try to fit in and fail, most likely because I never really fit in in my life. And at least with some exterior pressure that I, I thought I was under. Um, and I could continue to do that or I could you know, on my own story and my own voice and live by my own values and accept as well to have kind of unreasonable goals or what is seen as unreasonable and maybe not overall accepted. So I think that really helped for me. That was one of the big drive was all this introspection and asking myself what I really want. And coupled with the fact that I felt quite uninspired Sitting at a desk on my own, I really get energy just by, um, you know, having relationship, like speaking with people, meeting new people. So um, I just decided to choose what makes me alive. And um, that was cooking at the time. And so I went with it with like no plan, really. I trained at the lowest level in a kitchen in the village next door with like two fabulous chefs who are trained by like Michelin star chef, but were also my age. So respecting me and, you know, really taught me a lot. And so, yeah, I think um, I choose this big transition because to me, I would rather create opportunity to do what I love as long as it also resonates with an audience, with some people, um, because it's much more powerful and exciting um, than any type of security I could have had with a traditional path. 
Mm, I love that. The aspect of like owning your power and choosing what gives you energy rather than you could have stayed in that customer success role, have that stability that we also Mm -hmm. talked at the beginning, right? Because the reason I love this is because you have different stories. Um, We all have different stories and what has brought us together. And the way that you made a jump, talk to us also about like the difference because it's two different worlds from working in an office remote for a startup in, I think it was in tech, right? to going and working in a kitchen and like the hours that that implies, like the change also perhaps. um, I mean, you already talked about a lot of the internal work that you've done, which is beautiful. And in those transitions, there is societal pressure, a view of like what success is. Um, Talk to us about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, you know, I started to train in a kitchen at 30 years old. Like most chefs start at 17 or 15. Uh, so you have to really be humble. And, um, you know, I'm educated. I've been a manager before and suddenly I'm become, I'm becoming nobody and, um, I have to peel carrots all day long. But honestly, I got so much joy from it. Um, I think. One is being in the kitchen, you just focus on what you are doing. You can't look at your phone or um, be on your computer or think about something else that's what you are doing. Or you can, but you will not be a good cook. That presence really helped with my brain that's all over the place. Um, so I found some peace there. I was exhausted at first. I mean, it's so tiring. It's long hours on your feet. Um you wake up in the morning and you restart all over again and you come back home very late. Um, but then once you find your, your rhythm, that tiredness just go away. And again, I got so much energy with working with the team. Like people who in the kitchen are often very real. They don't sugarcoat anything. They are like super direct, super straightforward. <laughs> um, they have interesting stories. Um, and, and I could love, I mean, I have everything to learn. So that was like fascinating for me and very, um, very exciting. And then also I was customer facing. So we had a very small kitchen. We were, Three in the kitchen and uh, serving maybe between 25 to 30 people for lunch and dinner. Um, so very small restaurant, but like delicious food. And so I will also bring the meals to the customer. And some customer not knowing me will be like, we see you from where we sit. And it looks like you really love what you are doing. And I was like, yeah, thank you for saying that, you know. So that's one thing. Um, and then, you know, I also explained the kitchen here in the state to now we are serving like 200 people a day or a service. Um, and that's another level. And I, I have to say I'm not very convinced about that. At restaurants where we sell like 200 uh, customers a day, like here in the States, I don't, it does not resonate much with me. So I also decided to not work in restaurants. And that's why I started um my own personal chef business and you know i can really curate experiences that are customized to the client's needs um where i can bring my care but where i also have more agency on the hours on the recipe on the ingredient i should i choose so I think the fact that I joined this career quite late mm. in my life helped me to make choices where I feel very empowered by. 
So yeah, I mean, I'm still struggling today with like, you know, back pain and, <laughs> and exhaustion, but I balance it with like working out, better sleep. Um, I'm not partying after services. Like I'm past that. I'm fine. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think there's so many important lessons in what you shared for, you know, people that are maybe wandering or wanting to make the step in that it's not always glamorous, right? To make a transition and to have to, as you said, be humble and maybe start at the bottom um, to be able to learn. And then also trying a lot of different things to understand what we don't want. As you said, like, you know, a restaurant for 200 people isn't what you're looking for today. And so having had these different experiences in the transition of like learning has also allowed you to be like, okay, I'm more clear about what I do want and what I don't want. Um, and I love what you said of people like reflecting back the energy that you had. I think that is just such a beautiful indicator that we're on the right path. And sometimes we think about a success of whether it's like money or different visibility that we might be getting. Um, but that moment is something, yeah, so precious. Um, so thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, of course. And if I can just add something to answer your question i think um one thing because you ask if we had some advice um one thing as cheesy as it sounds is like to enjoy the process and i will i mentioned it to you guys before but i'm reading this book that i really love uh, which is called the pathless path from paul miller and he said that the most um important secret of this pathless path which is a path that we choose uh, contrary to the default path that the path that's maybe more imposed by society. So the most important secret of that path is that the goal is not to find a job, not to make money, not to compare yourself to any big metrics, but rather it's to go, as Mia said earlier, to just explore and to find what is the work that you want to keep going and doing for the rest of your life. And so it's being, being willing to go on this exploration and on, on this journey of, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to find something worth doing and I'm going to build my life around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. And so Via, on your side, obviously you also come from culturally, there was a lot of pressure and um, a lot of expectation of a certain traditional career path. How did you deal with um, more of that, like the, the pressure of what was expected of you into what you have now become? And then as well, like what are some of the hardest things that you're finding about being a solopreneur today? Yeah, um, that's a very good question. I think I want to add well, what I want to share also add to my previous question is kind of interrelated to the drive and what success looks like. I think one thing is when I decide to there, there was a time in San Francisco at the end of in San Francisco, I had a visa issue. So I had the two options. One is, oh, still try to make it work in the United States, find a job that maybe in the same area I, I was before and stick to it for the visa. And there's another option is, okay, maybe this is opportunity for me to make a change. And this 
seems maybe for many people it's not a big decision, but for me, when it comes to cultural expectation, being the only child and coming from developing country, I think for many people being able to make a living in the United States, in San Francisco, in tech, is a huge success. I think my parents has always been trying to convince me, says, hey, you don't have to love what you do, right? You have all the elements of what you need in life. Why don't you just treat it as a job and then uh, do whatever you want to do on the side? So I always have that expectation in my mind. But when I dig deep, deeper, I decide to leave United States Partially is one is to be able to reclaim my freedom because at that time I feel like my freedom is not really mine if I'm heavily influenced, tied to something I cannot control. In this, in this case, is visa. I basically gave up the opportunity to live in the space because that's the only thing I cannot control, the legal, the visa side of thing. And after that... I actually did not tell my parents. I left first. When I arrived in Hong Kong, I was having a call with my mom. My mom was like, wait a second, how come you're also in daytime? And then that's what when she found out we're in the same time zone. That's when I actually found out I left the United States. For me, that's a huge leap because I'm basically rebellious like I am I'm, I'm literally doing something my parents against against me to do so uh, I mean add on to like back to that first question what makes the drive I think first the thing here is to to really ask yourself deeply what you want at that moment I prioritize my personal freedom and my personal growth more than oh being in the United States have a good job in tech and earning salaries that my peers back home would take maybe 10 or 20 years to earn. So I basically, yeah, so that's, I, I didn't choose that as my priority at that time. I think second, and to add on Manon's point, is to explore. Like after, after I left the States, I went for a trip for 10 months. I think I met Manon in Uganda. And the main purpose of that trip is to understand myself, to talk to people that live in different lifestyle. I went to all different countries. There's a nomad country like Indonesia, Bali. There's also more stable people in a stable life country like Denmark or uh, Europe. So I see two completely different lifestyle. And I start to ask myself, which lifestyle do I want? And then you have conversation with like uh, inspiring entrepreneurs like Manon and Matli. Like you said, oh, I just realized there's so many options out there. Like what comes down to is what I really want. But that's the hardest thing. I think I'm just starting to realize what I really want. But back to the cultural thing for my parents. Now thinking back, I think they do carry a lot. I think because I'm so far away, I kind of... I didn't have asked them for opinions, basically. I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. My parents are far away. This is my chance to live the life I want. So um, there are a lot of cultural expectation and when it comes to money, when it comes to success. But at the same time, 
we are living in time or in the age that we have the luxury to explore what we want. I think my my takeaway on this this journey would be one is to figure out what you can control, what you cannot control, minimize the impact of what you cannot control. In my case, I have to minimize, I have to leave the visa legal thing. Like I don't want to be tied mm-hmm. to something I cannot control. Second is to experiment and explore. I think uh, that's what I also learned more when I come, became a designer is that many times we have this assumption of what we liked, what we want to do, but in reality, it turns out to be not what, what we thought it was. Mm. Or we usually hate our job, or I didn't like my job, but I didn't understand why I didn't like my job. So I think these answers only comes from experiment and explore. And the last part I would be uh, to learn to prioritize and commit. And I think right now I, I'm very much committed in like a design, a product, and entrepreneurship. At the same time, uh, maybe not very comfortable, as comfortable as I was before financially. Maybe um, I enjoy like I take a trip anytime I want. It's not that ex- available. Um, but yeah, but you know, like it's... Um, prioritize. Yeah. And I love what you said about reclaiming your freedom. I think that's so beautiful. And reclaiming your freedom also means sacrificing as you just explained, right? It means not being able to necessarily go on all the trips that you can and that you used to be able to do that you might want to do. Um, There's this like common Uh, understanding that we always, there's always a price to pay on either side. And so there is a price to pay on, you know, okay, if I am staying in this job and making money from it, what am I, what is the price that I'm paying? Is it that I am giving up what lights me up inside? Is it um, that I'm, yeah, feeling like I'm doing this for other people and, and that's really taking my power away. And then here on this side, there is also a price to pay in that you've made this decision, you've reclaimed your freedom and the price you're paying is, um, yeah, having to make sacrifices where before you hadn't. And so there is never an easy decision. And I think when we think about people making this transition and you've both beautifully explained in your stories is it wasn't like, okay, perfect. Everything's good. Let's go. I have this big drive and that'll do everything. It's, um, yeah, taking these little steps, exploring, understanding, whether it's through as you did your solo trip or mental through deep therapy, understanding ourselves better as well to see which one is the price that we want to pay. Yeah, for sure. All right. Beautiful. Let's talk about the day-to-day of being a solo printer. Um, Manon, how does, like, what are some of the difficult things about it and what, how does it affect this one could be positively or negatively the day-to-day, whether it's like, we talked a little bit about um, financial, but maybe also the life you live with your partner. Yeah. Share your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you have some ideas because I called you a few times where things, <laughs> uh, when things were bad. But yeah, for me, I mean, 
the day-to-day um, when things are difficult, it's going to be what's, when I enter into a spiral of like self-doubt, right? I'm going to start to doubt something about my business, about my decision, and then I'm not stopping. I'm doubting that I'm loved. I'm doubting that I'm worth it. I'm doubting that I made the right decision. And so one way to cope with that is I'm going to call the good friend and I'm going to vent about it and just figure out to get it out of my chest and, and try to ground myself back. But those spiral are real and they do affect uh, sometimes, you know, my household and my relationship because um, I'm not very pleasant to be around. And uh, my partner will, will often say that I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with food. I'm obsessed with what I'm doing. And so when you're obsessed like that, it just takes uh, your entire entire life. And I will say at the same time, um, the upside of it is that I feel like I gain a lot of respect as well from my partner. At, at first, it has been a bit difficult to see me doing my own thing, starting from scratch, not earning as much as we both wanted. And in terms of, again, day-to-day life, you know, we live in a one-bedroom apartment and we can't house people much, something we love to do. On the other side of things, we might live a bit more simply, but if we want to see our family who live abroad, we can afford it because we save money and we are very intentional about that. So with that trade-off for sure. But again, in our relationship, I feel like... Um, saying that i mean me being true to myself sacrificing things but sticking to my obsession really uh help us grow as a couple and um i just feel again yeah more respected and i feel like um john really supports me all the step of the way if it's sometime to remind me that what I'm doing is great or sometimes to remind me that I should focus a bit more, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you just have to be ready to be very vulnerable with your partner and that, um, he or she or they are going to see the full spectrum of who you are and you might uncover some of the, um, some of the parts of the spectrum as you go, because this journey is just unfolding so many truths that, I personally didn't uh, know before. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think what you said is to me, the way that um, I describe it often is like when you're um, especially a solopreneur, you just take so much of it home a lot of times because Mm -hmm. you're doing it from your home, but also it's not a place. It's not work that you're like, okay, cool, I'm clocking out at whatever time and then letting that go. And so I think Mm -hmm. being able to find if your partner, I I know John is super entrepreneurial as well, but if for somebody listening, their partner might not understand that, um, I think finding ways to express and explain it. And then the other way around setting boundaries of if it's too much in a house. Um, I had that experience with Raul where um, our house became a warehouse before a camp um, for one of his camps. And we talked about it and I have the understanding and the compassion because I've been an entrepreneur before. And also there is a limit and continuing to do that year after year would, would harm our relationship. And so that's where we have to set boundaries and be like, okay, no, we know we understand. And this can go on for 
you know, this amount of time, but then we need to find other solutions. Um, so yeah, continued trade-offs for sure. Let's talk about on the other hand, um, and let's start with you, uh, Via. So we talked a little bit about some of the things that are difficult. And obviously, if you have things you want to bring up there. And also, what are some of the ways that you stay motivated, ways that you take care of yourself? What is, you know, whether it's a routine or just a few things that you do to keep going? Yes, I think for solo entrepreneurship definitely has brought me a new perspective in my everyday life. There's a good and bad. I'll start, maybe I'll continue with the some challenging part that I have. Uh, one is I, there are two things I'm trying to get better. One is keep it focused. I feel like as a solo entrepreneur, we constantly have many things we need to take care of, ourselves, business, content, there's so many things. And I definitely struggled with prioritization and focus. Um, the second thing I'm trying to get better is to ask for help. I think this is uh, including ask for help from friends, asking help from my partner and uh, delegate some stuff. I'm still trying to get better at it. I think both of you are better than me at this. And there's some good part that I noticed is my energy shift. Like I actually got this from my partner. So he, one day he was saying, it's like, I do see the difference before I was at a job. Every day I come back and say, oh, this is so, like, I hate this day. Something didn't go well. This didn't go well. Mm-hmm. I try to find many excuses on my job. But now, even though financially it's, it's not as before, but every day I just feel, like, so great. Like, every day I just feel, like, so good. Mm-hmm. It's either I learn something new, I tackle a new problem, I talk mm-hmm. to a new person, I made new progress on certain things. So the energy shift is a big thing. Uh, and that actually led me to notice second second part is I started to see work and life as more of a dance than a balance. I noticed now I can work until like a 10 p.m. I still feel energized. Before I would like actively seeking like a stop or balance or like hard deadline have to stop by 10. But now I do feel like uh, I'm energized even, even though I might be overworking. It doesn't mean burnout doesn't exist. Like it's biologically, I cannot keep working, not stop. I do feel the burnout, um, mm-hmm. but I'm more, I feel like more as a dance. I can, something I can maneuver. Okay. Today I, I worked energetically for 10 or 12 hours. Okay, I notice that. Maybe tomorrow I can shorten this, but it's by choice. You know, like I feel like this conscious choice of the state of my work gives me so much freedom. Yeah, and I think how do I keep myself motivated? I started to write more and also and not only long form and also short form, I start to take notes. I feel like it really helps me to clarify my own thoughts and force me to listen better. Uh, and also uh, our like sharing things with you too on mm-hmm. regular basis, having this community, it really helps me motivate it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love what you said about that energy. Again, it's something that's come out and in- to in both of you. And I think that 
this also applies if people are listening who have no desire to become an entrepreneur, right? But in their job that they're feeling of knowing when it might be a time for a transition or for changes to happen within whatever system they're a part of. And so I just wanted to mention that and it doesn't have to be quitting everything and becoming an entrepreneur. This is obviously what has it has meant for the three of us and what we are supporting each other in, but it can look different for everybody. And I loved the things that you said about, yeah, ways that you're taking care of yourself and staying accountable. What about you, Manon? What are some, you mentioned before, like working out and calling a friend. Is there anything else that helps you stay motivated and focus on self-care? Yeah, I mean, one thing I really started this year really helped. I mean, two things. Uh, one is like, no matter how late I go to bed the day before, because that's just a reality of my job, I, I go to bed late. Um, I'm going to wake up at around the same time um do my dry brushing in the morning uh some sort of movements and then go on a walk with my partner because sometimes we don't see each other on weekends or on the evening so this moment in the morning um and just had a little normalcy you know in the mm-hmm. cars really helps just to to feel like okay i got this um another thing that really helps is reducing my consumption of alcohol and coffee because I just realized that both were on the surface are supposed to keep you going and motivated. But for me, I think they were because of my anxiety. Um, so being aware of that and because I'm so dedicated to my past, I was like, okay, I need to, I stop coffee and I reduce alcohol. And then just the last thing I will say about just how to stay on that path and motivated is this despite all the doubts and all the, the, the hard moments is knowing deep inside that I got this and I will be okay and I will find a way. And I think that's we all have that inside is either we can tap in or not, but if you can just do it because that's very powerful to to keep going. Mm, yeah, it is. I love that you mentioned um, the walk um, with your pup and, and your partner. I think sometimes people think um, self-care or ways to stay connected has to like look grandiose. And yeah, making this simple effort on a daily basis is the fact that it's consistent and also that it's available and it's not like this huge thing that feels out of reach um, is really special. I love that. So one big thing that has, oh, we already alluded to it, but brought us together um, is this little girls huddle that we created. If I think of the questions for myself of what do you think uh, or how do you take care of yourself as a solopreneur, but also how do you stay motivated? 100% is having people that can help you stay accountable, but also you talked about self-doubt and you've both talked about like, you know, not knowing and not being sure that can remind you also when in the moments where you're like, I actually don't know if I should be going this way. Or I've had moments where on their girls cuddle, I'm crying because I'm like, I don't know if this is a good idea or if I'm going on the right path and having the support there even though we're not at all in the same industries, um, right? Uh, we're doing three very different things, but we're able to 
kind of be mirrors for each other when the other ones forget. And so very briefly, for those of you listening, what the girls huddle looks like is on a generally weekly basis, we kind of go over like a little check-in since the week before and then what we're going to be doing for the next week. And sometimes it's like at the beginning, it was, I think, more structured because we all needed more structure of like, okay, we're going to work on our pitch and we're going to work on our product market fit and all these things. And then it became now a little bit more flowy, I guess, or open also because the three of us are have very different needs and are at different stages. Um, and so it's been more like, okay, these are the things I'm working on and this is what I want to work on for next week. And then we might exchange ideas mm-hmm. or help each other brainstorm. Um, but that's kind of what it looks like. So I'd love to ask both of you, what are kind of your key takeaways of being in this huddle? Why do you think it's also important as we are in different industries Let's hear just kind of last thoughts um, and let's start with you, Manon. Yeah, um, I love it. I mean, I kind of kept it for the end, but of course, this uh, girl's huddle kept me motivated. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we are not in the same industry, but we are in the same human mess at the end of the day. We are facing the same fear, uh, having the same aspirations, same dreams on a certain level, right? And... I think to me, that's so valuable to be like, okay, I have my girl, they have my back, right? Um, and I think that's what we do for each other. We kept each other accountable to be the best version of themselves, how cheesy it sounds, how cheesy as it sounds. But I think it's very inspiring for me to see that you two are walking toward the same direction as me. Mm. And so I'm not totally crazy to do it. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we are in very different industry, but you still have very valuable insight and advice. Uh, how can I market this event? Uh, how can I um, tell my story? Uh, uh, what dishes can I do? Because you know me, right, over time. So, yeah, I mean, I'm always looking forward for the school and I'm always just very energized afterwards. So yeah, thank you guys for being on this journey with me. (laughs) Thank you for being a part of it to both of you. Via, how about you? Yeah, I mean, thank you both for sure. I think what's amazing about the Girl Heart Huddle is we came from such a different roots. And we also have similar backgrounds since 2015. We, we all, both, all of us are familiar with social entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship startup, and finding our own path, the traveling, multicultural. And now we are in three different directions. But at the same time, there's so much sharing in knowledge and perspective. I think that's very unique. Uh, and also... Um, the great idea always comes from like the overlapping of different industry and different background, different perspective. So I definitely appreciate that a lot. Also the fact that every week we know we have somewhere to go to and to share our weekly mm-hmm. struggles, have uh, knowing that sharing also can help each other out. So yeah, overall, it's definitely a big motivator for me to hold myself accountable for sure. 
I think to add to what Via said, it does help us to stay on that path, on that pathless path and not following. If I didn't have you guys, I would probably feel the pressure to to fit again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, we all know each other since a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that aspect definitely adds. Um, we've also seen, you know, our master's was like seven, eight years ago now. Um, so we've seen uh, a lot has happened since. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. crazy. But it's been beautiful to see where it's led us. And it's something I also see. I mentioned this to both of you that as I went through this transition, I think also becoming a holistic health coach and focusing on different aspects of ways I can help others and help coach others naturally. It's come in that uh, women have come for coaching for career transitions or like for help in this way. And I think it's often because we're such a reflection of once we're, you know, in the path that we want to be in, we can just see it. There's so much light that comes from that because we're feeding, as I like to say, our vitality or our energy from within. So it's been really beautiful to watch both of you do that and to be helping each other walk together along this way. for sure. And hopefully we can do uh, one of these girls huddle uh, in person, but we're very grateful for technology. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. We'll do a little rapid fire and then wrap it up. Um, I'm just going to pick one for each of you so so that we can do all of them. I will do this one to Via. How do you unlock your vitality these days? Mm, Drink detoxing juice in the morning and go for a run love it Manon what are you saying no to these days I'm saying no to clients that I don't want to serve love it Via what's on your nightstand books Kindle my watch and my hand cream Love it. And then Manon, if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? I will tell her, hey Manon, you have to own your craziness and own your uniqueness and do not try to fit in. It's not worth it. Love it. Amazing. Thank you both so, so, so much for your time, for doing this together. It was such a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Magali. So happy to be here. All right, guys. Bye and see you next week. Bye.